Setting up the 18th AFL franchise in a region not familiar with the code was never going to be easy. Strong leadership was going to be required to face the challenges that came along in the early years of growth and transformation. The Leaders podcast speaks with the people who've shaped this club and have helped play key roles the club has grown from not just a men's football team, but to now include an AFL women's side as well as Giants netball. When people speak of a football club, they often think of kicks and handballs, but the Giants have quickly grown to be so much more than that. Welcome to The Leaders. In this episode, Giants General Manager of Football Wayne Campbell speaks about how he developed his leadership during his playing days as a captain of the Richmond Football Club and during his time at the helm of the AFL umpires and how he continues to refine his leadership as the head of the Giants Football Department. Wayne Campbell, thank you for coming along. Thanks for having me, Em. That's all right. Now, you've experienced leadership in, in yeah, all sorts of different roles throughout your time in, in footy. Maybe we'll start as, as a young player, if you can cast your mind back to when you were starting out and what, I don't know, when you're still sort of figuring out who, are, who you are and what you stand for and, yeah. and trying to find your place in the game. What, um, think, well, yeah, what jumped out at you? So I think it probably goes back to even before um, I came into the AFL. So I was lucky enough to play at Golden Square in the Bendigo League and... I played two seasons as a as a 16 and 17 year old in the senior comp. Um, I was drafted after the first year, but uh, decided to stay in Bendigo to do year 12, um, which is a bit different, obviously, to now, where that. Yeah. I think Patrick Dangerfield 10 years ago that sort of doesn't happen. Um, but you know, footy wasn't as big back then, and I wanted to do year 12. And so lucky enough to play for Golden Square. It was a really well run, well administered club who had some really senior leaders. Um, so it was Ray Byrne, who played with Geelong and Collingwood and Carlton, and some older guys, Alan Patterson and Russell Parks, who were you know really well known country players. But um, they looked after me. They um, you know, they showed me that you got to train hard, and they certainly then had fun after the game and probably during the week as well. So getting that mix of um, having really good relationships but also working hard and mixing with adults i guess like yeah like grown men as a yeah as a teenager yeah, yeah. my my nickname was rice bubbles so you know they knew I was just this young kid that still had you know light milk on his rice bubbles and stuff like that but um they yeah they really welcomed me into their team which they'd won they'd won the flag the year before as well so it was a really successful um as i said well run team so yeah. to come into that environment as a young kid um yeah, it sort of set me on a good path. And what struck you about the way that they took charge of the team and the club and what? Uh, well, we had Brian Walsh's coach, who former um, Essendon and Carlton player, so a really experienced football person. Um, but I think he recognised that he had a really strong... I mean, they didn't have a leadership group back then. You had a, probably had a captain and a vice-captain and maybe an assistant playing coach or something like that. But I think he recognised that he had some really strong, experienced players. And... Um, you know, and the David Park and mould of sort of 95 just handed it over to them. And um, so it was a recognition from him that um, he knew a bit about footy, but they were the, they were the guys that were out there. So um, I think that probably um, yeah, stuck in my mind from an early age. Yeah, there's certain people who just shape a team, aren't there? Yeah. And no matter yep. where that team is or where it's playing, there's... Yeah. yeah. And out of that team, we actually had three players drafted, which is a pretty good effort for a country club. So Christian Lister went to St Kilda and played a game, and Paul McConville got drafted by Fitzroy, and I got drafted by Richmond. So yep. it was a yeah, pretty successful time at Golden Square. Yeah, OK. So then early days at Richmond, who... Yeah, when you go in there, you're the young kid. Who jumped out at you then as... 
Uh, Craig Lambert, who yep. I, you know, coincidentally or ironically spent a bit of time here at the Giants, obviously, was in the formative years and did a great job. And, and I can absolutely see why, because I was a 19-year-old kid who he um, took under his wing and um, took me training over summer with Ray Giles doing boxing and um, weights and all these sort of exercise at 6am, because um, you, you could do that back then, because you used to train at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So being successful back then was all about doing more. Um, because, as I said, you sort of had your, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday, five o'clock. Um, so it was about doing extras and doing more. Um, uh, Paul Broderick then came in 94, and he was a bit the same, like a really hard worker. And famously at Fitzroy, used to run a lap of the lake before training. And again, if you did that now, <laughs> it'd be, you'd be laughed you'd at. Be whole, then, you'd be calling him in and telling yes, him to stop it. Stop it. So, yeah. so it was a different era. Um, but those two, um, we had Tony Free, who was a captain, who was just a... Um, really inspired by his actions was as tough a player as I've, I've been to but but again we I mean coming from a really successful solid club like Golden Square um, w- without being too derogatory Richmond wasn't that you know we I had, th- I had three coaches in my first three years so um, we probably didn't have that st- absolute strong leadership at the no top. No stability. No stability yeah. yeah. Yeah okay when did you start to think oh I want to sort of get involved with yeah with helping lead with being part of that did you want to? Um, did you want to be an AFL captain from the get go? No, 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 certainly not from the get go because I didn't know whether I could play. So um, it was about like most young players coming in. It's about working out whether you can play for a start, um, and then you know it's about that fifty game mark where you go, okay, I think I've got some of this sorted out. So you then start to you know try and help your teammates, and some are a little bit before that, the, the, the real greats, but. Us mere mortals are about that sort of you know three to four years where you've sort of got your game sussed out a little bit. So then you can look you know you can look outside yourself and and that just sort of happens gradually. Do you think? Uh, yeah, as you start to feel comfortable and yeah, that you know what you kind of know what you're doing and yeah, I think um, I think I was I I can't remember when we had a leadership group. I think in 1995, which so I'm four years in. Um, John Norther used to call a group of us in of sort of five or six, you know, and it'd be like, oh, we're thinking of picking this player or that player, what do you think? So that's probably the first sort of informal yeah, leadership they have, group that we have. They have become a thing in the last, yeah. Oh, and rightly so. Decade or more, haven't they? And, yeah. and rightly so, because it's a, they're a, the players are the ones that do it. They're the ones that train, do the weights, that, you know, they're in the program, they're out on the ground. So they're a fundamental part to how your program runs, and therefore you need their input and buy in and. Yeah for them to eventually take over and, you know, not, not run the program but run certain parts of it. Make because, sure it's working. Yeah, yeah. So. But back then it was, yeah, it was still there but it was just a bit more casual in how... Well, you didn't have the time either because, again, we're... Rocking of, up if, after if we're, work. If we're talking mid-90s, I, you know, I had a full-time job. I was working from 6am till 4 and then going to training. So the ability to have a leadership meeting at 10.30am on a Monday just wasn't there. So, um, so we didn't. Yeah. Do you think you... The things that you kind of stood for as a player and as a leader back then were, were always in you or were there things that you learned in those early years of playing that shaped sort of the way that you captained? Uh, no, I was. I reckon there was a – I think I was naturally developing, let's say, just like everyone else. Um, but uh, Danny Frawley came on board in night, uh, in 2000. Um, sorry, I'd had, so I think I was vice-captain, I don't know, maybe 96, 97 under – Jeff G- or Robert Walls and then Jeff Gushin. Um 
but in um, in 2000, Danny came on board and kept talking about this leading teams concept, um, which at that stage I'd never heard of, but yep. he'd been at Collingwood and they had. Um, and you know, some of the words in empowerment and um, cultural improvement and all that sort of stuff, which are which are pretty passe now. But back then, you're like, okay, I sort of like the, the concept of it, but I don't know what it looks like or what it really means. What it really means. And we had a guy called Craig Grimes, who was one of the founders of leading teams, come on board and. Um, he, he he absolutely taught me the relationship side of it. So the whole you know getting to know getting to know them and the care and they don't care about what you know until they know you care that sort of thing um, became a big part of and and I just hadn't been taught before. But um, I think I'm not a naturally extroverted person, so you you know you probably come into yourself a little bit. Um, but he taught me that that's okay as a player but as a leader you can't be like that you've got to go outside of yourself and spend time with people that you're uncomfortable with and um so from there i sort of yeah i thought i then grow grew as a leader i think i was okay before that um but nothing great but i think i became better after that so wayne campbell to the right goal post that is a beauty goal number three and the best of the game the most important of the game Kick in, marked by Edney, 33 minutes in final term. Campbell runs to 55. Let's go. Long goal, Wayne Campbell. What a finish for the Tigers. Four goals to Wayne Campbell in an inspiring display by the captain of the Richmond Football Club. Was it hard to do? To, to no, start not to do in those things? No, no, because I'm. I was to say I'm introverted. I don't think I'm, you know, radically You're not a so. wallflower. No, no. no. So, um, so it was just little things. Like I, um, you'd run a warm-up lap and you'd just go and pick someone and run it with them. You'd have a kick before training. Instead of going with the same person all the time, you'd kick with somebody else. You were icing after training. Instead of going sitting by yourself, you go and spend 10 minutes icing next to someone and you ask them about themselves and... Um, you know, a little bit of footy maybe, but just – and then from there, when you say, was it hard, it's not. It becomes easier because it's fun, you know. You, especially as you got older, um, the more you invested in the young guys, um, they kept you young as well. So, you you know, you were – they were fun. As we become more boring, they were fun. So they, they – it, it – yeah, it became it became the opposite of hard. It was it was really re- rewarding and ch- challenging and rewarding because it put you in situations where you had to make decisions and help out and I mean there was many of those where you you know they've really entrusted you with stuff that's going on in their life. Yeah, has that carried on into the other roles you've had since since you've finished playing, um, like coaching? Yeah, well, working with the umpires, coming into this role as head of footy at the Giants, like that, that need to get to know people and yep. and understand what makes them tick and, and put that put that time in. Yeah, certainly as a so a coach for a while. So certainly as a coach if you're the midfield coach somewhere, you've you know, you've you're managing eight players and um yeah, I think most coaches now are relationship before the technical stuff and you've got to have both, but um I certainly followed that on. Um into the umpires was um yeah, that was I, I loved that role. Um because they need support, they you know they get they get hammered every <laughs> they week. get hammered from yep. from most areas. So they want to know that you're there for them. So I invested a lot of time into them, and again a leadership group because that's your it's it's hard. They've got 33 on their list, so to invest in all 33 is hard. But certainly the the five leaders I've invested a lot into, so to to ensure that they knew I was there for them, didn't always get it right, um, obviously because you got to then make calls and changes and things like that. But 
um, and then coming into to this role, it's just broader again um, because it's, there's a bigger department and more uh, people, more people, and more players, and um, so you've got to yeah you've got to be a bit more selective with it, I suppose. But um, you've got to you've got to know that the people um, underneath you are having the right, right relationships with the people under them, and so all all um, staff and players are being um, are being led by someone. Yeah. Okay. How is working with the umpires different to working with players? Which sounds like a kind of basic question, but they're uh, still sort of people have to. Well, it was a, turn up every week and perform, aren't they? Y- yep. So it, it was a it was a magnificent le- uh, leadership and management challenge because I knew nothing about it. Um, I go from playing into coaching, and whilst the skills are different, it's the technical knowledge is the same. But um, I think there's. 50% of the population who are obsessed with rules and umpiring and 50% who don't care. Yep. I was don't care. I just, I wasn't interested, um, which is no disrespect for it. I just didn't I didn't find it interesting. But once I got in there, I developed a real passion and love for it. And now, you know, I'm fascinated by the rules and how that changes the game and all that sort of stuff. So I went in with no knowledge. So therefore, it was about setting up the right structure. And Mark Evans, who was the GM of footy, wanted it to be like a, a, you know, a bit more replicating a football department structure. So... Tried to do that, and I, so I had knowledge in that space. I just didn't have knowledge in the, the technicalities of, of umpiring. Um, in terms of the um, you know, setting up a program, and it's um, it's the same. Uh, it's just it's just a lot harder to judge whether you've won or lost. Um, and, yeah. and sometimes, as a as a footy team, you can lose, but still, you, know, you, you look you at get the, some little wins. You look at the two teams, and you go, "Well, they're a better team," and so we've actually done pretty well, but. As an umpiring group, it was just so hard to work out you know, where, you're, where you're doing well or not because you don't – whilst within the AFL, they're really supportive, um, you're not getting a lot of positive feedback from anyone else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which would have been, yeah, interesting to deal with because hmm. some of them would have been more affected by that than others, I imagine. Oh, uh, I remember having a leadership meeting with them probably five months in and they were like, how are you going? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And they're like, just understand, we're used to this. Yeah, you know, we've been it's copying, negative every we're, single week. We've been week. copying this for 20 years. You, you're, you've been in it five months. How are you going? I was like, well, gee, I hadn't thought of that way, but um, I was okay. Time for a quick break on the Leaders Podcast to talk about Giants of Business. This exciting new project is part of the Giants commercial program, focusing on making connections and business referrals across the Giants corporate partner network. The Giants have a strong portfolio of blue chip corporate and community partners, with this program making it easier to connect than ever before. Through a range of events and strategic introductions, the Giants of Business program is an opportunity not to be missed. For more information, contact Anthony Butler. His details are available in the description of this podcast. Now back to the leaders. We always came to get into the role you're in now. Is that something that you had sort of set your heart on a while ago? Uh, without boring you with a long story, it was like when I finished playing, do I go and do something else, had hotels and uh, pubs do I go down a business side do I stay inside a footy um, thought if I'm outside it's harder to get in so let's do footy do I think I'm more coach or admin minded um, I thought I was more admin minded um, but let's have a go at coaching because that might help the, the admin side of it um, which I think it has um, and so it went that way so I, I don't 
uh, yeah, I don't think I set out to be a GM of footy the day I started coaching at the Western Bulldogs you know, 12 years ago or whatever. Um, but certainly once I worked out that I didn't want to be a coach, I was then, okay, I want to be in administration and therefore, because there's not too many roles in administration. There's lots of different coaching types, whether it's development or you know, head of development or oppo or you know, midfield or senior coach or whatever, whereas in administration there's, there's probably two or three roles within a footy department. Yeah. Is it daunting at first to, to be in charge of like a, such a large department? Um, so many people? I, I, think, I think the biggest step up was to go to the AFL and run the umpiring department. Yep. Um, because in a lot of ways that was higher intensity because you, you, you've got nine games a weekend and as I say to many people, if, if the best team in the competition played nine times, they would lose twice. Um, and so that's what we did every weekend. We would play nine times and we would lose twice, which meant we didn't play well or umpire well, and, and, but people only focused on the two. So the intensity of the role was probably greater than what this one is. This has just got greater breadth. There's more people involved. So, um, yep. so yeah. Yeah, okay. What surprised you about this job? What, what, oh, no, first of all, what were you really ready for, do you think? Really prepared for? Was, um, Oh, the, what was I ready for? Uh, I think when Mark Evans offered me the job at the AFL, he knew that I probably wanted to be a GM of footy and he thought that this was a really good stepping stone. And there's not many really good stepping stones to this job. Um, the football operations manager within a club is, is one stepping stone. Coaching is probably another one, but um, he, he wanted to you know, create a pathway with this role to that. So... Um, so I think in terms of the broader management stuff and working in an organisation like the AFL, which was so big and well run and administered, that sort of held me in pretty good stead. So, um, And I think I, and hopefully after however long, 25 years in footy, you understand footy. So that gives you a... So in one way, I'm coming out of umpiring that I have no idea about. Now, again, hopefully within two years, I, I picked up some stuff on it. Um, but back into an environment that was more comfortable for me because that's where I've been for yeah, okay. 20 years of my life. Yeah. N- not, so, not as the GM of footy, obviously. But, but you knew the turf, you knew the... Well, whereas the umpiring was, the, was new. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I, I, I didn't absolutely set it out this way, but I'd been um, a player... Um, development coach, a midfield coach, a forward line coach, a, um, lead, did leadership for two years. I'd been an opposition analyst. I'm, so, and within all that, you then you mix with doctors and physios and heads of high performance and analysts and all that. So there wasn't when I look at the roles, I understood what an analyst did. I understood what a physio did. I understood. So, um, but then you got to manage it. And I was going to say, is that yeah? You still can't. You still got to go in and do it for the first time, don't you? And like yeah. everybody's coming to you for the for the answers and yeah. the help and yeah. to fix yeah. things. and yeah. um, I, I think the, the biggest step was just the move to Sydney to a different club um, and, a, and a different club to what I'd experienced before. So I obviously spent some time at Richmond but spent some time at the Bulldogs and you can see that, that the Bulldogs are different to the Richmond because they're not quite as big but they've um, you know, got their own beauty to them as well. Um, the Giants are different again because we're only eight years old or five years old at that stage and um, you know, hadn't played in finals and... Um, in a developing market, and so that's different as well. So that was that was probably as big a change as what coming into the new job was. Yeah, what really struck you about it when you first came in here? You'd obviously seen the club sort of get put together from afar, but to come in and, yeah, just see how it functioned, how it ticked over, what its sort of character was, if that makes sense. Was yep. that, yeah, what's, what struck you initially about... I don't think anything... 
I don't think anything really surprised me. Oh, sorry. I think everyone that comes here for the first time to the physical facility goes, wow, A, I've never been here, and B, how good is it? (laughs) So so there's that. Um, Everything was really well set up. The people prior to me have done a really good job of getting really good people in place. Um, So it was not not surprised because you sort of look at them and they're going in the right trajectory and... Um, but they were one of 18 clubs. It wasn't like I'd really focused on them until the job came up. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say surprised at how well it was being done, but it was certainly you walk in and go, most things are going pretty well here. Yeah, it's funny how like different teams and different clubs kind of somehow develop their own characters or personality in a way, isn't it? Yep, yep. And we certainly have. I mean, we're, we're, we're put here to enrich the lives of people in the Western Sydney to bring AFL football to Western Sydney. Um, uh, that's not really what I was doing at Richmond. You know, Richmond were in the heartland and you played footy. So we're there to do that and to win premierships. It's, it's this added um, added responsibility, but it's a magnificent responsibility. And when you're in Melbourne, you don't get it. Like you don't, and that's, you know, I, I didn't get it for 20 years or five years at the Giants were in, in, the, in the competition that, you know, that I wasn't here. Um, you just don't understand the, the sheer magnitude of the, the task and how rewarding it is when you get it right. Yeah, and how early on it is, early on in the piece it is, yeah. I reckon. Like, even at Richmond, I mean, you, you would have walked into just such an established culture over years and years and years and years. Like, yep. that club knew what it was. Yep. Whereas, I guess you get up here and it's still, yeah, still forming. yeah. What it is and what it stands for and, and all those sorts of things. Which is exciting because you can be part of something that's – you're building something. Yeah, um, really yeah, and you also aren't constrained by things that have happened in the past. So, yep. you know, we're, we're, we've been unique in the last couple of years with losing some of the players we've lost. And I, I sort of think of last year's trade period and think, gee, if that happened at Collingwood or Richmond or, you know, there'd be some external pressures that we don't feel as, as starkly. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, so it is. It's um, and and living in Sydney is different because it's not as strong with the football focus, which which you know, as a person I really like because you don't you don't you don't find yourself talking about football all the time at the supermarket. At the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'd been here twelve months and. A guy at the deli at Harris Farm said, do you think Jacob Hopper will sign? I was like, wow. <laughs> so 10 minutes later, I was still talking to him. So um, it's a bit different to being in Coles in Port Melbourne. Yeah, we're getting bailed up mm. in every aisle. Mm. Yeah. How about dealing with players when things happen, things go wrong? Um, as a captain, as opposed to the head of the footy department, how is that different, the approach you've got to take with, um, with dealing with guys? So firstly, you hope you've got the relationship with them that they know that you're on their side. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we're, we're talking about things that go wrong as opposed to right, because if it goes right, it's easy. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you can just palm that off to someone else. That's okay. Um, but you hope that you've um, built the relationship with them that they know you're coming from the right place. They trust you to be, they trust you to be on their side and they trust you to be competent to make the right decisions. Um, and over time in footy, you've just got to keep, you've got to make the right decision more often than not, about 80% or something like that. I remember Tony Jewell used to say that. You've got to make the right decision 80% of the time. If you don't, you, you get sacked and that's the reality of it all. So 80% might be too low. I don't, yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know what the figure is, but um, yeah, you need to keep making good decisions. So. And that doesn't matter sort of what position you're in or how much older no. you are than the people you're, you're dealing with. No, no. And then 
then hopefully, again, you've put the, the systems in place whereby most things that come your way, you kind of know how to deal with it without, you know, there's always going to be some nuances along the way of the particular incident, but if you've got the right people and the setups around, um, ultimately then it's just about the execution of it all. Yeah. How about sort of managing people that you have been a peer of, like Leon, for instance, as as a senior coach, yep. who's, who is a player as, you know, about the same age. Yep. Um, to, for that shift in that relationship, how's that how's that been for you coming into your role? Yeah, um, it, was, it was interesting when being interviewed for it, um, for the job, because I didn't know whether it would be an advantage to me or not. We, we, we had our 30th birthdays together, so um, he came to Richmond for three years or four years. Um, and so we become pretty good mates, you know, had 30th together and, you know, then when he came up here, you're different and, you know, not seeing as much of each other but still talked on the phone and all that. So, yeah, I, um, I, 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 I fundamentally believe it's an advantage to have a relationship with someone. Yeah. Um, but being mates with someone is diff- different to being their boss. And yeah, absolutely. Them, you know, then, I mean, ultimately working out whether their career keeps going, but that's the, you know, that's the the absolute pointy end of it. But what it's more about is providing the right support for them and, um and that's not just um, that's not just allowing them the senior coach to do whatever they want. In fact, that's you know that's the it's the ten percent of times where you say no that are just as important as the ninety percent where you go yeah I reckon that's a good idea let's let's go. So um, there needs to be we need to be able to have blues which we do. We need to be able to then get on with it which we do. Um, but I think coming in, I knew what his values were, and I knew that that wouldn't be a problem so you know you know where you stand and hopefully he knows where I stand on things and yeah so yeah that history that you had sort of cut out that time that you needed to to get to know how he ticked and well I think it's a positive in that we know each other um that doesn't mean that it ends up succeeding um because if you come in with someone um that you don't know it could be just as successful because you blend well or better or whatever but um but certainly hopefully it's um we know we've got each other's back and we know we'll um as I said, be able to have those strong discussions when we need to, honest discussions, and for the betterment of the club. Yeah, at the end of it all, you want the same things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's this? Yeah, what's this job kind of demanded of you that that being a player and being a captain didn't? Have um, you had to? I know that sort of the experience you've had sort of built you to a point where you're ready to step into it, but um, you always there's always something new. Yeah, bombs up, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why it's such a challenging and fun job. So, I mean, like, like all jobs in footy, it's demanding, it's ruthless, it's non-stop. Um, but only, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's non-stop. You get the three weeks off over at Christmas. Um, if you win on a Saturday and there's no major issues, your Sunday's fine. Um, if... You know, for instance, the Jeremy Cameron Harris Andrew thing happens. Well, it's eight hours on the Sunday just working everything out. Um, but that's the that's the job. So um, yeah, you can't hand it over to someone else. Uh, ho- hopefully, again, you've set up things well enough that um, most things go right for a start. Um, I think if you haven't set it up well enough, that's when you keep dealing. Have to deal with issues, and um, that's why, you know, as you would know we place character at such a high level when we recruit because it's like recruiting is the same as recruiting for a staff member. Your wins and losses will come in your recruiting process. 
um, if you do everything right there, you'll have less issues along the way. So um, if we do that well, which you guys have done a great job of over the last... You I was going to say, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you're bringing in high-quality people, people. Um, you're going to have less issues. Um, you need to then provide them with the right support and structures and systems. Um, but again, hopefully we do that. Yeah. Do you find it interesting having having captured a team to to come in and see, yeah, see players come in and just see who sort of goes down a similar path? Can you identify early on, this, kid, this kid's got something, this guy's really grown in this area, just see leaders yeah. figuring it out? Yeah. I, I think experience shows you that and there's lots of areas that I'm still inexperienced at, but that sort of that sort of area that you're talking about in terms of players coming through and developing um, relationships and going out of their way for other people and thinking about others rather than themselves, you can spot that fairly fairly easily, I reckon. And yeah, what do you see? Is it just the way that they, yeah? Uh, they'll grab a drink bottle and they won't take a drink first. They'll hand it on to someone else, yep. you know, and the more exhausted they are, the harder that is to do. Um, the bits the be- little things. The bits behind the play where they'll go and pick someone off the ground or... Tap them on the bum, or yep. you know, maybe they should have got a handball, but they didn't, and that person kicked a goal, but they still go over and um, you know celebrate the goal, and um, the sh- the sheer enthusiasm for other people doing well, I reckon, is you know when they're really really excited, and we're a we're a team like every other team, but there's also competition for spots, so you know to be happy for someone else to get a spot when you didn't is that's the true test of leadership, and yeah. that's that's hard. Can you teach it? Can you learn? Uh, yeah, I think so. If you put it, yeah, if you, yeah, uh, whether it's you know born or developed, you can definitely develop. Um, if you're born with it and then you develop it, well, that's the, they're the superstars. If you're not born with it and you can develop it, well, that's you know. If you but if you're born with it and you don't develop it, that's that's the, that's just as bad. So, yep. um, it's it's putting good people around them that are constantly in contact with them, um, showing them the right way. Which again, that we we feel like we've done that. We've got great high performance people we've got great coaches or great people who um just by sheer um watching them um they they learn and develop from them yeah and can you see some continuity happening now with the players obviously phil and cal have done the job together since since the beginning but do you look at it now and think yeah we've got guys who are ready to i think the, the thing that came out of the last leadership process was yeah they're really they're really happy with our leaders um they're really happy with the leadership group um, and we've got some leaders coming up underneath who are in that mid-range that that's what you need. You know, if you, There's no use having the best captain in the league if the rest of your leadership group and then the people underneath that are not as good. Um, so we feel like we've got a real depth of leadership now because of the experience that you know, lots of them are coming into their seventh and eighth year and as I said before, it takes you some time to develop your own game and yep, figure um, out who you are. And yeah, and then we've got some some talented younger guys who are, um, be, because of our situation, if they're, they're all coming from somewhere else, they grow up together, um, and you just see that with you know even some some of the guys that left with Sheila and and Scully and you know um, their, their friendships with Cornelia and Ward and Davis and Tomlinson and I've left lots out. I'm sorry, but. They've grown up together, so it forms a real bond. It's just so important, isn't it? To yeah, to make sure that it just keeps going, and there's always guys coming. Yeah, yeah. So you don't end up with that sort of golf and yeah, a real hole to fill. Yeah, I mean the rules dictate you have to have three go off each year. Um, so there's always going to be some sort of turnover, but 
getting the majority of your group to play together for a long period of time creates that synergy. Yeah. Are you enjoying it? Is the job what you thought it would be? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, no, enjoy it. Yeah, it's, yeah, okay. like any job in footy, it's got its challenges, but... The, Even the, when you lose your Sundays and uh, you get the phone calls at 10 o'clock at night and all, um, the, all that stuff. Oh, I think Sarah's used to that, so, you, you, yeah, you, it's a cliche, but you've got to have a really supportive family and... Yep. Um, Yes, my girls say, why do you go to work so early and why are you on the phone when you get home? But you've got to create the right um, time to do that and get time away from it because that, that helps as well. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a great job. It's a great job in a great club, which I'm, I'm really proud of. Yeah, and the more you experience, the more things that happen, you just, yeah, you're still figuring out, as you mentioned earlier, just the things to come back to, the things that you trust, mm. trust yourself to, mm. to make the right call. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. We had a on Monday. We got down to spotless, and the ground wasn't as good as what we thought it might have been. You know, so through no fault of their own, but it just there's always something that'll come your way where you'll go, oh, "Gee, we should have done that, or we we should have done this." So, but again, we've um, we've got uh, lots of good, experienced people within our footy department who are making good decisions along the way. So, um, generally, we feel like we get it we get it pretty right. Yep, hopefully that continues. Hope so, Em. Thank you, Wayne. No worries at all. I think that'll do it. Good to talk. Thanks for listening to The Leaders. If you're not already a Giants member, head to membership.gwsgiants.com.au to sign up today. There's a package to suit everyone. And make sure to subscribe to The Leaders so you don't miss next week's episode featuring Giants netball captain Kim Green. Kim Green.